Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, we are joined by mum on a mission, Shakira Akabusi. Now, Shakira joins us to squash some of the stereotypes surrounding motherhood and being active during pregnancy, as well as talking through her relationship with physical activity and how she looks to maintain that whilst looking after four children. Following the birth of her first son, Shakira found motherhood to be the opposite of restrictive. Now, as a mother of four, Shakira has combined her professional knowledge as a qualified pre- and postnatal trainer to create Strong Like Mum, which is a space for women to get all of the information they need, not just on what they could be doing, but how to find some time and ways to balance fitness with motherhood. This is a great episode for mothers at any stage of motherhood or pregnancy, but it's also really interesting for partners looking to support their other halves through this process. And even as a 25-year-old man who has not been through this process and is quite ignorant about the topic, if I'm being honest, I came out of this conversation feeling extremely inspired and educated. So there is definitely something in this episode for everyone. So with that, let's jump straight into my conversation with Shakira. Shakira, welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. We're going to start by giving you, well, I'm going to be passing on a piece of advice from uh, the guest that we've had on a podcast before called Michael Coates. He's a former military man and takes on a load of different endurance sports. And his piece of advice for you, which you can take in any way, is to focus on your support team, whoever they may be, because they make you everything. Who would you say is your support team around you? Oh my gosh, I have so many. And I completely agree with that like I'm I'm asked a lot and I'm sure we'll get to it later but I'm asked a lot about what I learned from my dad who was an Olympic athlete and what I learned through his success and there are many things I learned you know hard work dedication but probably the biggest thing that I learned was the the value of the support network and how important it is that you feel comfortable and vulnerable enough to ask for help when you need it and to, and to really have that support network. And I, I completely agree with that statement. Um, I mean, it depends whether I'm looking at sports, work, motherhood, but certainly my family and my close friends are, are a massive support for me. So an easy question to start with, well, it might be easy. What <laughs> do you love about being outside and active? I, I, there's so many things I love about it, but I think um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is what it does for my mental health. I feel so much like I'm a mum of four, so I'm often you know really busy in the throes of motherhood, and it can get really stressful. Or you know, if my children are unwell, I find that a real trigger for anxiety. And if I can just get outside, even if it's just 20 minutes, you know, a walk or a run. It just helps me change my perspective and have a much more positive experience, day-to-day experience of motherhood. So that's probably um, the thing I love most. But I, I also really love about sports and movement. That's probably when I feel my most instinctive and my most primal, you know, and movement used to be something that I mean, our, our bodies were built to move and it used to be something that we did every day all the time. And now it's sort of pigeonholed into being a hobby or an extracurricular thing. Whereas I really feel like my body's meant to move. And so I love when I'm out and I'm doing something that I feel like that's naturally what my body wants to be doing. 
I couldn't agree more. And where where did this relationship with sport, physical activity begin? Because like you touched on then, your dad was an Olympian. So did that, did you find that you were taking that or has it been something that's been your own journey as well, of course? So a mixture of the two. I have, I've always, you know, I grew up in a very active family. My dad was an Olympic athlete. My mum was a, a personal trainer and an injury recovery specialist. So both of them working in the field of physical fitness. Um, so we've always been really active. And I think what that definitely instilled in me was a love of being active. And again, you know, nowadays it's something, it's almost like a chore that we have to tick off the list. Like, oh, I've got to fit in that work. I've got to go for a run. Whereas I have always really enjoyed it. And it doesn't need to be a structured workout. I just love, you know, going for a walk in the woods or when I was a kid climbing trees or, you know, running around the beach, there's things like that. Um, So that's definitely something I got as a child. But actually, my real, as I then grew up, it almost began to have the the reverse effect. And when I came into my uh, early teenage years, sort of 12, 13, 14, and I was, I was really into track running and athletics, I actually had a really negative experience with sport because then for me, the pressure of my dad's success, I was always compared to that, you know, and, and anything other than first was failure, not necessarily to me or my family. But if I went, if I went to a competition and I ran and I came second, it was always like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you today? Or, oh, I beat Chris Hagabusi's daughter. And so I just really began to have huge anxiety and hated everything to do with it. So I completely stepped away from sports and I went down the performing arts route. And then it wasn't until pregnancy, really, where I was like, and I think many women get to this stage um, when they're pregnant, where you feel, you suddenly feel like you want to create this really healthy home for your, you know, for your child. And I, and I was still with performing arts, I was dancing and I was active. But that sort of drew me back to that primal movement, that running or walking or being outside in nature. And and then I, I just reconnected with the love of it from there, really. And for me, I want my children to enjoy being active and I want them to enjoy being outside. And, and that was kind of the catalyst for me getting back into sports and, and running. I think you made a really interesting point at the beginning there where you said a lot of people will see physical activity and going to the gym or going for a run as a chore, something to tick off. And I found more recently, which and you said it there as well, changing your mindset to looking forward to it and maybe seeing it as an opportunity to really release from the stress of life. Mm. Uh, and, and after that first kilometer that you run or that first workout in the, that first exercise <clears throat> in the gym, it then becomes a cathartic feeling of, and everyone always says you never regret a workout, right? Yeah. Every time you take yeah. that step out the door and you come back, you always feel better. And it's mm. interesting that you said there was a time where you were being compared because of because of your family was that pushing you away from sport and then what what brought you back into it again was that feeling of just I just want to enjoy it yeah well I think it was as an adult I then went back into it and you know I'm, I'm in my 30s now and I at that time when I had my first child I was in my late 20s and my dad's sporting career had had moved on you know he, he'd not been in the world of athletics for a long time so that pressure was gone and, and I went back to the track and joined a track team and I was able to just do it as myself and in, and just do it for the fun of doing it. You know, I wasn't trying to be an Olympic athlete. I was just there because I loved it. And for me, that then set me free and allowed me to reconnect with the joy of it. So then how did this relationship with physical activity change <clears throat> once you became a mother? 
So when I was um, pregnant with my first son, I was always told then in that first pregnancy of all the things I'd never do again, everyone was saying to me, oh, you're never going to run as fast. You're never going to wear want to wear a bikini. You're never going to have abs again. You're never, you know, all these things that you'd never do again, largely to do with my physical fitness. But, you know, but to be honest in everything, you'll never sleep again. You'll never have time for yourself, all of that. And for me, I almost felt like they were saying, you've got to leave you behind. You've now got to become something else because you can't be you and be a mum. And I was like, this, this can't be right. And and I started blogging and talking about my experience of pregnancy and motherhood. And I actually found the complete opposite. I've never felt more comfortable in who I am, more completely, um, you know, at ease in my own skin and more and more passionate about being healthy physically um, and with nutritional and, and, and mentally just really creating that healthy space for me and my family. And and that really became became the catalyst for it. And then and then I just really found, as I said, you know, there's so many times in parenting where I've been stressed or I've encountered a challenge and sports and exercise gives me the opportunity to step away from that. And and, you know, when people say clear clears your mind and I never used to, it, it sounds like such a generic statement <clears throat> to say clear your mind. But what I began to find in motherhood was I would if I was really anxious about something, when you have high high anxiety and mine began to manifest really quite strongly in, in OCD um, during and after pregnancy. And these anxiety thoughts, there's so many in your brain. You, know, you catastrophize so many things and it's really busy and it's a really stressful feeling because there's so much going on. And what exercise gave me, it was it was literally like it cleared the mind because it just allowed my brain to just slow down those busy thoughts. And then I was able to sort through them and think, okay, actually, I think this is actually anxiety. I don't think this is necessarily a reality or a fear that I need to be having. I think this is something that I'm holding on to. And then I was able to just, as I said, change my perspective and and let it go. And that that's really, for me, the true value in it. So I'm coming from this as a, as a slightly ignorant 25-year-old man who has not had family or close friends that have been through that process yet. So I'm obviously learning and that, that, you know, hopefully will come around in that, my point of the life, but I might not necessarily think of if if someone's pregnant, I would have said, Oh, it might be uncomfortable. So people might not want to get out and go for a walk. And actually I went for a run a couple of days ago and I ran past a, a lady that was out walking that was, that was clearly pregnant. And is that something that, you would now say is encourage people to get outside also like you said unlocking those mental stresses but as a physical thing as well yes absolutely so um, definitely I mean I think being physical in pregnancy is there's so many benefits there but also life doesn't stop because you're pregnant um and I'm all about functional training and helping women with everyday movements that I mean I'm now a mum of four my last set were twins and both my later two pregnancies I had other children so I I couldn't I I was really active and you know you do have to lift them up and put them in the car seat or put them in the high chair and we can I, I understand that there that many women are unsure about what their bodies can and can't do during pregnancy but there's so much that we can do when it comes to running specifically the current guidelines are that you can continue running if you've previously been a runner. And that's all down to your core, you know, being able to transfer and and carry load in the appropriate way. So 
you know, it might not. But again, when people say, oh, you shouldn't try anything new in pregnancy. I also don't really agree with that as a bland statement, because for some women, exercise is completely new in pregnancy. And then it is going to be new. What I think we do need to do is be really aware of our body and be able to read its signals and understand what we're feeling. But there's so much we can do. And I, in my first two pregnancies, I ran up until two weeks before I gave birth. Oh, wow. See, that, that, yeah, that's interesting. That's not something <laughs> that I would consider. Yeah, being, no, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So what was something that you wish you'd known in your first pregnancy that you know now? <laughs> I'm sure there's a long list. Oh my list. gosh, what a question. There, yeah, there is like a long, 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 long list. Um, I think what I would do, uh, are you asking in general or are you asking in terms of physical fitness? You can, you can go with either. Um, in general, I'll answer both. So yeah. in general, I think what I wish I had known is what I spoke about just now in terms of being able to differentiate between anxiety thoughts and instinct thoughts. And I talk about that a lot because, you know, often as a mum, you're told, trust your instincts, trust your instincts. But if, you've, if you're anxious about something, it's really difficult to differentiate. Is this my anxiety or is this re- like uh, my instinct? You know, is your child sick? Do you need to take them to see a doctor? Is that anxiety? Is that instinct? Like, and it's really difficult. And I wish I had told myself that rather than going into hyper, like, oh my gosh, the best thing for me to do would be to run, walk, stretch, whatever it is, to allow myself the space to think. And in that way, you are then able to differentiate. So I think that's what I would would have hoped that I would have known that first time. Um, and physically, so in my first pregnancy was when I was just really starting to become a specialist in pre and postnatal. So I'd worked with pre and postnatal women before, but I started doing like an expert qualification, a higher level qualification in pre and postnatal and really understanding what's going on in the female body and, and the ways we might need to modify exercise and, you know, what we can and what we can do. And I think I wish, I think I wished I would have known the importance of balance in exercise. So it's not just one thing, you know, for example, as a pregnant woman or, or a postnatal woman, if you're a runner or any type of activity, we're often told about strengthening the pelvic floor. Really important. It's, it is a really important part of postnatal recovery and having a strong pelvic floor is really important always. But it's not the only thing. And we actually also need to ha- be able to relax our pelvic floor. We can't just strengthen our pelvic floor. We have to be able to relax it. Um, you know, I, and I, I often use this example. If, if I think about um, my pelvic floor as a fist, and this is for men and women, if if my fist is always clenched or always partially clenched, I can't do anything. I can't pick anything up. I can't, I literally can't use it. It's completely inefficient. And it's the same way with the pelvic floor. So we have to be able to first relax it before we can then use it and get full power from it. So understanding that, understanding that it's not just about, so again, I see many women who suffer with um, pelvic floor dysfunction or urinary incontinence, and they're going for a run and they're really struggling with that. And they've been doing their pelvic floor exercises, but they still, you know, it's still not right. And then they're working, relaxing their pelvic floor and it's still not helping. And then I ask them to think about their posture. So just very, very, very briefly, if you think about your pelvis like a bowl, like a bowl of cereal, when you're pregnant and you that bump grows at the front, it 
your pelvis is pulled forwards into like a forwards tilt. So all those internal organs and the baby and the amniotic fluid and everything that was resting, it, it, that was resting on the bony structures of the pelvis suddenly it loses that stability and much more pressure is on the pelvic floor. So when we're post postnatal, rehabilitating that pelvis and working on posture so that we're not standing with an arch in our lower back, that's going to have a massive impact on how our pelvic floor works. It also has a massive impact on how our glutes work and how our hamstrings work. If your pelvis is tilted forwards, your hamstrings and your glutes are constantly placed into an overstretched position. So every stride we take, every time we're running, we can't get efficient activation from our hamstrings or our glutes. And that's massively going to impact your running. And, and things like that, you know, understanding the balance that we need across the whole body. It's not just about strength, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze your pelvic floor and then go for a run. It's looking at what are your feet doing. Your feet are connected to your pelvic floor. What's your foot arch like? You know, your um, your jaw is connected to your pelvic floor. Are you clenching your jaw? Do we need to work on jaw relaxation? It's, there's so much to consider. And it sounds like overwhelming, mm. but actually it, it, it is actually quite simple. Once you understand that connective line. So my job and my passion is to share that knowledge, you know, and then people can go, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe it is my posture. I, my pelvic floor is quite strong. Maybe it's maybe it's my posture. Maybe I'm, I've. If you're pregnant, you have, especially with multiple birth pregnancies, you might your the um, the arch of your feet can flatten. Maybe what you need to be doing is working on rehabilitating your foot arch, and that's going to help your pelvic floor. You know, so it's it's really sharing that knowledge. Sorry, I I've no just, no like, absolutely. I, <laughs> I think it's really interesting how how you said about simple things which mothers may not have thought about at all, and they might be having an issue in their back or shoulders, neck, feet. And they might not be thinking about that anything at all. It might they might just think, oh, that's something that's just part of pregnancy. And then, like you've said, there a list of things of simple changes that you can make that will relieve that stress. I know there's so many different things associated with pregnancy that are stressful, but if you can just tick off a few things that will help, then it's really interesting to, to hear about that. So then, moving from prenatal to postnatal, obviously you've spoken about being able to run two weeks before the two two weeks before you gave birth. How then does it become difficult and what advice would you give postnatal? So the first thing I would say in terms of postnatal exercise that is probably the most important thing is, and I spoke about this um, when I when I was talking at the run show, is personal progress. That so much about postnatal recovery seems to come with this timeline timeline attached you know in the media we see it all the time like so and so back into pre-baby genes five weeks after giving birth or you know and there's so much pressure on if it's not a quick recovery then there's something wrong which is absolutely not the case i'm two years um postpartum from having my twins and i still train myself as a postnatal woman um so firstly letting go of that and again being comfortable to understand where you're starting from and not compare yourself to the mum next door or the, the woman down the road. So that would be the first thing. Um, I think that it, because also not only has every single um, postnatal experience that I've had been so different, but every single, every single day can feel different when you're in postnatal recovery. I would definitely say don't rush. And I would start by looking at the core but that's not just the pelvic floor it is the pelvic floor but 
even before that, I'd be looking at breathing. So when we've been pregnant for a long time, your lungs struggle to take a full inhale towards the end of the pregnancy because there's so much else in there. Mm. They just don't have the space. So really learning to take that deep breath without lifting your shoulders, relaxing your shoulders, taking that deep inhale. Our diaphragm has a massive impact on how our pelvic floor is working. So as our diaphragm descends, our pelvic floor needs to descend. So can we relax our pelvic floor to take that deep inhale, then work on that pelvic floor engagement? And then I'd be looking at um, working on core rehabilitation exercises and then slowly but surely going out for your first run. I would absolutely wait until you've had your six or eight week check with your GP um, and make sure you're cleared for exercise. And I would push for that because so often, in particular nowadays, that's that's done over the phone. And no one can assess you over the phone. Mm. No one's going to be able to see whether you've got abdominal separation over the phone or how extensive that is. That is something that you know someone's going to need to be hands on. So I would I would push to have that. And I, I would guess that there's a couple of different factors here. It's one is the physical sense of being able to actually physically get back into running. But the other side is the general balance of having children. And you encourage people, well, mothers, to, to balance motherhood with having an active lifestyle. Yeah. This is obviously quite a difficult thing, but how can parents start doing this whilst having a child? Okay. So the first thing I would say is that sometimes we can't. Sometimes I will plan to go for a run or go for a workout and it it, it, it can't work out. It doesn't work out. It's not the right time. and it can be really difficult and really frustrating if you've got a plan and then you can't do it. And it is really frustrating, but being able to, again, just breathe through that and understand that when the time's right, you'll be able to go, not give yourself a hard time. Um, I would then say it, when it does come to planning, how I fit in my exercise, number one, we touched on it right at the beginning, that support network. I use my support network, you know, my husband, um, is, is home. He works from home. So <clears throat> if, if I say to him, I want to go for a run first thing, can you do breakfast? He'll do breakfast and I go for a run, you know, so relying on that support network and asking your friend over the road, can I, you know, can you babysit for half an hour? I'm going to, you know, anything like that. That's number one. Um, also find a time when that works for your family. So for me, <clears throat> so for me, my children are always happiest early morning. By the time the afternoon comes, they're tired or they're hungry or they're arguing or whatever. So that that early morning period is really a good time for my children. So when they were babies, I would well actually when they were babies, I would go for a run in their nap time or I'd work out in their nap time. But when they get older, early morning, I could do a workout in the garden and they're happy to play or they're sitting around and they're much more relaxed and calm and happy. That's the way that it works for us. So that was a good time for other people. It's better for them in the evening. So whatever works for you and your family, but find that time when it really works for you. And then I would say getting creative. So I love going for a run, but sometimes my husband's away with work for three weeks it's very difficult to get out for a run with four children. Um, so then I'll do some things at home or, you know, maybe maybe we're just going to dance around the garden and I'll play their favourite Disney song and we're all going to dance and whatever, you know. So it's finding ways to be creative with movement. Does this change when 
children then go to school and they're doing weekend activities and after school activities and then balancing work back into a lifestyle if that's if that's part of it as well again is it the same advice of trying to find those small things that you can do and then trying to build in some sort of routine yeah trying to find those small things you can do and also i think this is where a love of it becomes really important because i love it so for me it's a priority that i want that I, and i want to do it so it's it's not hard you know i've just i've just recently started jujitsu and i love that and it's like i don't really have time to do jujitsu <laughs> because i've got a job and i've got four children and i run and blah 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 blah, blah. but actually i really want to do it so i make the space and um and I think if you if you love something and it's important to you, it's got to be a priority. And I, and I think that also part of that comes with part of that comes with understanding that it's not it, focusing on something for you is not a selfish thing because actually the taking care of yourself is investing in your family. And for me, I can have a much more positive. I can be a much more positive influence in my family dynamic, if I know that I've been able to, you know, do that physical movement. Interesting. And, uh, and if you can't, I guess, if you can't get out and get to the gym or run or do those things, it's, it's, it's like advice that you, I guess people would have for anyone that is struggles for time in their general life and they can't go to the gym or go for a long run. It's trying to work in smaller things into your daily life to, that you don't often think about walking to take your children to school or to the bus stop yeah. or taking the stairs when you're going shopping or to anywhere or anything like that. It's just all the little things that you don't think about that add up steps that are making you more active as well. Well, yeah. And, and also what I would add is motherhood is a really physical job. <laughs> it's not, it's not, you know, uh, sitting at a desk you are up and about, especially when you start having toddlers or older children, <clears throat> toddlers or older children. And then, you know, it, it's it's an active it's an active role. So um, I don't think I think we should also just understand that our body is is doing a lot. Do you find it difficult to balance your time with four children? <laughs> do, do I? Yeah. Are you asking? Do I? Um, no, actually, I don't. But but my children also understand but I think it's all down to because I love it you know yeah. my children understand that this is what I, I if I say to them right I'm going to go for a run on Saturday morning they're like okay mama's going for a run because they know that I love it and actually my eldest he rides a bike sometimes we'll go out together and he'll ride his bike and I'll go for a jog and it doesn't have to be long like I make this sound as if I'm this high level athlete runner I, absolutely not if I run a 5k I mean, if I run a 5k because it feels like a marathon <laughs> it takes me a, a good half an hour and I'm like <gasps> at the end but but I just enjoy it you know so, uh, you, you've done one earlier about uh running late into pregnancy what are some other stereotypes that you that people think about that you just want to squash that you want to shatter want to break what are some of the other st stereotypes surrounding motherhood okay. So a massive one that I get is that exercise is going to be bad for breastfeeding. Okay, I get that one a lot, which is absolutely not the case. So exercise will have no impact whatsoever on breast milk supply. But what it can do is it can slightly alter the content of the breast milk. So different levels of um, 
lactic acid, for example, there's different levels there depending on what type of intensity exercise you're doing. But none of them have been shown to be harmful to the mother or the baby. And all the levels will replenish within an hour and a half. So absolutely exercise can't. What can impact breast milk supply is dehydration. So if you are going to exercise as a breastfeeding mother, then making sure that you stay hydrated is is really important, as it is always. Um, I also get asked a lot about lifting weights overhead. Can we lift weights overhead during pregnancy? So again, I'm, I train my clients with functional movements. So absolutely, sometimes we're going to need to lift and put something up into a cupboard. What I would say is, we shouldn't be holding a weight. So, you know, I wouldn't suggest pressing and holding a barbell overhead for a substantial period of time. So we can lift something overhead, you know, if we're doing a shoulder press, for example. And also when it comes to lifting weights, in those first few months of pregnancy, uh, those first few trimesters of pregnancy, I would advise to to reduce your weight to about 70% of whatever your maximum would have been. So let's say you're, you're shoulder pressing, I don't know, 10 kilos, let's just say 10, you know, eight, 10 kilos. I would reduce that down to seven kilos if you're pressing overhead, right? So reduce that to 70%. And then again, in that third trimester, those later few months, I'd take it down again to 50% if you're lifting overhead. Um, and then I also get asked a lot, can you lie on your back in pregnancy? So the recommendations are that you can lie on your back in pregnancy, provided you feel comfortable to do so. For me, in my first, uh, but but again, sorry, for a short period of time. So I wouldn't lie on your back for hours at a time. But if you want to do a bridge exercise and you feel comfortable lying on your back, then we can do that. But we have to be, and this I said to you at the beginning about personal progress and really understanding yourself. It's It will be different for each woman. In my first two pregnancies, not a problem. When I was pregnant with my twins, I went for my first run after the nausea died down a little bit I went for the first my first run at like 16 weeks pregnant and I ran for about three minutes felt awful never ran again the rest of the pregnancy I laid on my back I think around that same week 16 18 weeks and within like 10 seconds I was dizzy I was and I never did that again so really you can't compare yourself to the pregnant woman down the road it's, it's really understanding your body and listening to what your body is saying to you Interesting. This may be a silly question because I know you can't believe everything on social media, but um, I saw something on social media about, I think it was this um, a mother who was uh, pumping milk in, in preparation ahead and freezing and looking mm -hmm. at some of the different packets in, in front of her and going, there's different colours to some of these depending on the time because the, the body knows the child needs mm -hmm. more yeah. Like I said, water or something different, yeah. nutrients. I have fat content. Wow. Is that, that's incredible. Yeah. It, it, honestly, I mean, the human body in general is incredible, but the female body and the whole pre and postnatal journey is, it's, it's so awe-inspiring. And this is why, like, this idea of the body being somehow weaker or broken after giving birth has just never made sense to me because what it it is achieving throughout that process is so incredible. And exactly as you've said, I mean, with breastfeeding, your body knows. So even to the point where as the baby latches on, the saliva that the from the baby's mouth will interact with the, the female body and it will begin to create what that baby needs. So if you let's say um, there's a cold going around, mm. for example, if you're breastfeeding your child, your body 
will know from the from the saliva as the baby latches on and it will begin to produce the antibodies that the baby needs so that the baby can have the antibodies it needs to help help its immune system and it's absolutely incredible and i'm sure there are more things that are exactly like that that as well so reverting back to your story in this in this area where did this turn from being a passion and something that you blogged about to then being something that you do public speaking for and work in writing women's health and all of these different things and opportunities that you've had how did that was it natural progression or was it something that you looked out for as well um it's something so I said to you that I went I went completely away from sports and I went in sort of performing arts and then um in my early 20s I was long story short I had a vocal operation that went wrong so I couldn't sing anymore to the degree that I needed to for that career so and then I had a conversation with my mum who as I mentioned earlier was a, a personal trainer and did injury recovery and I remember sitting with her and I said to her does this actually work I'm terrible I'm a terrible liar and I am terrible at selling something I don't believe in I used to have to work at those makeup counters between jobs between performing arts jobs and sell and I had no idea really what I was doing and I was like oh this is a really filling color and I was terrible at the job because I could not sell something I didn't really believe in and I said to my mum if I go down the exercise personal trainer route does it work can I actually change someone's life and help someone just by you know looking at their physical body and and my mum was like Shakira absolutely not just you won't just help them physically yes you can help them with injury recovery you can help them but you can also help their mental well-being their whole life and that's when I then went down that route and um and it really became a passion because I started to see it I would have clients come to me oh I've got this knee pain I've got this and then you help them and then when I when I started thinking about conception and pregnancy and birth myself I remember reading a statistic that only 5.5% of fitness industry professionals at that time were qualified in pre and postnatal, which to me is madness because so many women will at some point be pre or postnatal. So that's when I started to explore that. And I just became, as I said, fascinated and in awe of the female body. And then I lived it. And then I started to encounter all these stereotypes. I decided I wanted to be a part of shattering those stereotypes. And now I'm just so passionate about sharing that knowledge with women because it can absolutely change your life. It might be that there's a runner out there, you know, who's had children 10 years ago and she's never understood. She's still got urinary incontinence and never really thought about it. And then this conversation that we're having today, she thinks, oh, my gosh, actually, maybe it's because of my pelvis and maybe my glutes aren't firing properly. And in, in, you know, six months to a year, suddenly she's having a much more positive running experience. I think you've absolutely nailed on nailed that nail on the head there because, you know, people that are planning on being pregnant or have been through those experiences will obviously be able to connect. But it's also interesting for the partner. And I'd like to ask mm. a question on that is that obviously this process um, can be with someone else as well. How... Do you, what advice would you give to a partner that is going to be helping this person through the pregnancy process? Really good question. Um, and it's, and it's actually something we don't talk about enough. I don't think is, um, the partner's role in supporting, in supporting the, the person who's going through pregnancy. Um, I think that, I think in terms of postnatal and really, you know, 
physical activity and fitting that in. I think the support network aspect is is a really important role that they can help to take on because for a new mother, the demand, the demand on you, you, not just your time, but you, your physical body is extreme. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the phrase touched out before no. being touched out. Okay. So par- all parents can experience this. You don't have to be the mother, but I know that for me in early motherhood, I really experienced it. You are constantly in demand. You know, someone, it doesn't matter if your toddler's pulling on your leg or if a baby's breastfeeding every half an hour for three weeks, you know, or everything your body's, you just delivered a baby and your body's trying to heal, but actually you still need to get up in the night and change that, all that stuff. And so sometimes your body, it, it you can, there can be so, you know, other people are poking and prodding and looking and checking and, pulling on you know sucking here and and it's just like to give that person the space that they might need at times I think is really important and understanding that sometimes they might just want complete space and and listening to them to what are their needs and the the reason this question is so difficult to answer is because it's so different for everyone some people might might feel like just get up just leave me alone I just need quiet you know sometimes I get to that point for children they're all someone's always got a question someone's always arguing it's like and you want you just want to be like I just need the space and sometimes you can't get it and that's when you end up being like can you just be quiet because you don't have the space so if you can at all help help your partner have that space and that's really important and just supporting them understanding the importance for them but also you know, me as the mother, I have to understand my husband sometimes feels the same. You know, sometimes he, both of us, I think in the last few years have really come to understand the importance for us both that we can exercise, you know, because it's just, for us, it is, it's just getting that release and that space that we don't often get. Mm. So I think that that's really important. And also I would say on a different perspective, on a mental health perspective as the partner, do do your research and rec- you know if you can understand and recognize what are the signs that you might be needing to look out for in terms of mental health um and and ways that you might need to support them or if you think that they might need extra support it's really important because sometimes when you're in it you can't identify it yourself and having somebody that you trust because that's the other thing you know when it's when i was saying about instinct and anxiety if someone was going to come and tell me, no, 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 your child doesn't need to go to the doctor, I'd be like, what do you mean my child doesn't need to go to the doctor? I know what they blah, blah. So, you know, just having someone that you trust um, and, and you know, being an advocate for your partner, I think is really important. Similar question that I asked you before about what you wish you'd known at the beginning might be a similar answer, but what is a piece of advice that you would give to a young mother that's either going through pregnancy at the beginning stages or planning to what is a piece of advice that you would give them? The first thing that came into my head, but I don't know if this is the type of answer you want. So just let me know if you want something, if you want something else. The first thing that came into my head, what I have really learned through my adult life, not necessarily just motherhood, but through adult life is that you can't, we can't wait for somebody else to, you can't wait for somebody else to get it. That doesn't make sense. What I mean is 
if we are constantly waiting for someone to understand how difficult our day's been, you know, sometimes I just want to be like, I, I cannot explain to you. I literally cannot explain to someone how <laughs> how busy time is when you're parenting. It's and, and you can't experience it until you've experienced it. You really, really, really can't. But there is so much constantly to do or on your mind or what you need to look out for. Or, and I used to desperately want people to understand this is what I'm going through this. And actually being able to just, we can't wait for someone else to get it. You know, if, if you need something, if you, if you need space or if you need a run or if you need support or if you need a rest, don't wait for somebody else to tell you, Oh gosh, you look tired today. I think you need a rest because you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. Sometimes I've had those conversations with my husband where I'd be like, can you not see I'm exhausted? And he was like, no, <laughs> like, no, I didn't. And actually, I, I could be waiting months for him to realize I'm exhausted. It, so we have to be and as as nice as it would be for somebody else to constantly recognize what we're doing and to say, look, do you know what? You need a rest. Be your own advocate. You know, stand in your own strength and understand this is what I need. And and be confident in that, you know, and, and demand that time for yourself, because if your family's relying on you, I used this analogy the other day with a car. If you are the car and you're constantly supporting and taking your family from A to B, from A to B, you've got to put petrol in the tank. And in order to put petrol in the tank, you've got to stop the car. So we have to we have to be able to to prioritize that for ourselves at times. I think that's exactly the answer that I was going okay. with. That's amazing. <laughs> and I could really see your passion as well. <laughs> um, so the, 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 the book, Strong Like Mum, obviously yes. is another example that you spoke about earlier of you just wanting to support people. How did that come about? Yeah, so I have been wanting to write a book for ages. It's something I've always wanted to do. And I was amazed when it came. It was one of those things that literally came out of the blue. And I was like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, someone wants me to write all I've written is blog posts. Hmm. And someone's going to trust me to write a book. But OK, <laughs> and I, I know what I'm talking about. So I was like, OK. So then then, you know, I put the book together. And I think what I really wanted with this book and people ask me, so what is the book about? And I'm like, what I can tell you is what the book is not. The book is not a quick fix. Get your abs back in eight weeks book. It is not that. But this book will share all the knowledge that I have on the female body. And I start, so it says on the front, instinct, knowledge and exercise. So I start by going right back to the original homo sapien women, how they carried and birthed their babies and how that has changed to how we move now and what that means for how our body works and why it's important that we understand that we need to understand where we come from in order to understand how to move forwards. And then I share all that knowledge and you know everything we just spoke about there with the pelvic floor, the core, the feet, the jaw, everything, how everything is interconnected, breathing, and then also nutrition, the importance of rest, the importance of sleep, breastfeeding and exercise, a whole chapter on returning to running. And then at the end, a chapter that I was insistent on, which is called myth busting. And it's all the many questions that I'm constantly asked about, does, is this okay? Does this work? What, what does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. Because for me, the mission with this book was to give other women the tools to be able to be in control because it can feel like everything we've talked about just now, it can feel so overwhelming to constantly have, you know, that much information, um, 
to have that much information and, and you're like I don't know what's relevant to me what's not relevant to me but actually you in in that I wanted women to be able to pick up the book turn to the bit they needed oh, okay here's the bit about the pelvic floor right okay cool and then you can put it down and then maybe in your next pregnancy you have a different thing it's not the pelvic floor maybe in the next pregnancy it's it's I don't know maybe you had a, a tear and you're like, okay, I need to look up a tear. How is that going to affect my pelvic floor? And um, it's literally everything that I think could help is in that book. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you do and your social medias and also the book as well? Yeah, thank you for asking. So my um, social media, I'm at Shakira.Akabusi, or you can search the hashtag Strong Like Mum. The website is stronglikemum.com. The book is called The Strong Like Mum Method. And there are lots of exciting things coming up this year. So workshops that I want to be leading and um, sort of pre and postnatal plans that I'm going to be putting together in sort of like a downloadable format. So it will be hopefully even more accessible for women that, that can take them through that step by step guide. And then the final question from me, what is your piece of advice that you would like to give to one of our podcast guests? Oh, God, I've got so much to say. I love (laughs) to talk. What would be my one piece of advice to a podcast guest? It can be about anything. Yeah, it could be about anything. I think my one piece of advice, let me just think, hold on, just give me 10 seconds. That's okay. I think my one piece of advice to to someone would be to to try to really value the incredible benefits of what the natural world has to offer. And what I mean by that is that you know, there's so many amazing modern technologies and medicines and which is incredible so i this is not against any of that because i'm totally i'm in awe again of all of that but i think there's also so much we can get from the natural world that we now sometimes miss so the benefit of movement or just going outside and green space, you know, the color green, there's so much research around the color green and its benefits for our, our emotions and our moods and our health. So that fresh air, oxygen, how to take a deep breath, bare feet on the floor. There's so many amazing, very, very, very real benefits that we get from that. And that's important too. So I'm not trying to say the rest isn't important. I'm just saying we should try to value that as well. I don't know how you're going to summarise that. That's perfect. Good, good I'll, do I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Shakira. Like, Who do you have on then? <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I think someone, no matter what demographic listening to this, will be able to take a lot of things from what you said, whether they be going through that process, planning that process, having been through it, or someone like me who is previously fairly ignorant about the situation. So i absolutely appreciate your time and uh yeah make sure to check out shakira and everything that she's just just spoken about there shakira thank you very much for joining us thank you so much for having me thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the outside and active podcast and a massive thank you to shakira for coming on and educating me but also our listeners about this important topic 
If you have any feedback, questions or guest suggestions, then please feel free to email at outsideandactive at raccoonmediagroup.com. And as always, if you think there's someone that would enjoy this podcast just as much as you, make sure to send them over and be part of the community. We'll be back next week with some more adventure, but until next time, enjoy the outdoors.